Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Galatians chapter 2 records for us a time when Peter was in the presence of Gentiles. And he was ministering to them, and then, and he was eating the food that they were eating, knowing that God wasn't a, a respecter of persons. And yet there came Jewish believers from James, the author of this epistle, from Jerusalem. And as soon as they came, Peter started to back away from eating the things that the Gentiles were eating, and all of a sudden saw the Jews come in, and he started to vacillate on the truth of the gospel, the grace of God. And Paul the Apostle got ready in his face publicly and says, you know, what are you doing? Peter was showing partiality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Truth in Christ. We know that we shouldn't judge by appearance only. In this section of the book of James, we learn that this may also give birth to partiality. Pastor Rob explains that Peter, the apostle, was no stranger to partiality. In fact, at one time, according to scripture, the apostle Paul made it known to Peter publicly. We must be careful because we never know how God is using others. Here's Pastor Rob with today's message. Let Christ take you completely over, the very Spirit of God. And may all of our decisions in every area of our life, politically and personally and everything else, let that be the thing that guides you and directs you and that forms your character. Let Jesus form your character and gives you the right attitude towards certain views, certain issues in our culture. And let's just forget about all the other stuff. Amen? It's a problem. It's a problem. And be aware of double standards. You know, they're all over the place. What's good for one is not good for the other. So we have to be careful of that. So in all these things, there's been betrayals and problems. But like I said, as a child of God, we have to be led by the Spirit of God and use wisdom. So we need to be careful that we don't judge a book by its cover. That's actually the name, the title of this morning's message. And if you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is a passage that we know very well. And here we see partiality because of age and occupation, at the very least. We're going to look at the very first um, 13 verses. 1 Samuel chapter 16 says in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. 
But the Lord says, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and he went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. Because when a, 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 a prophet comes to your town, it wasn't usually a good thing. <laughs> and yet, uh, so Samuel understands this. And so the people in the town will say, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. He says, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, verse 5. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. So then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was, verse 6, when they came, that he looked on Eliab. This is the eldest, the eldest son of Jesse. He looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. So Samuel, like us, is no different. We size up the situation in the natural, and we immediately say, well, that must be the guy. He's the oldest. He's the next in line. He's the heir, really, of, of Jesse. Really, he, he, He'd be the firstborn. So it must be him. He's tall, handsome. Got to be him. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Aren't you glad that God looks at your heart rather than your outward appearance? We very rarely do that with each other. My encouragement to you this morning is, is, is obvious. You know, we need to get beyond looking at the cover of the book. You know, when I look at it in the bookstore and I look at covers of books, that's the first thing that attracts my eye. And if it attracts my eye, I'm more willing, more susceptible to pull that book up off the shelf and look at the first, look at the table of contents, see what the book is about. But if the cover is blame and blab and drab, probably won't pick it up. So you get the point? We've been accustomed to this sort of thing all of our lives. It's, it's inherent in everything, in advertising. That's what advertising is all about. Get their eye and then draw them in, right? But you and I have to resist that because there are people out there who on the outward appearance, you would think they have nothing to offer. They are of no value to me, no value to society, and yet you can't see in their heart. And I love it in instances in my life where God rebukes me in this way. And I, I'm, I keep learning the same lesson over again. Have you learned that lesson? Or are you learning it like me? I'm still learning it. Because I'm, I'm often surprised when it happens. And there is some stereotype that's real. There, stereo, stereotypes are that, that can be real. But I also need to be careful because I can't just pigeonhole everything as we so easily do when we see a person, when we see a situation, we immediately put it in a bucket based on our past experiences and our um, things that we've observed in our own life. But we must be careful with that. So verse 8, So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And then he said, There remains yet the youngest. <laughs> you can almost hear the voice. There, you know, there is someone else, you know. And there he is, keeping the sheep. So they're all standing there, all the sons, and Samuel's looking, they're looking over in the field, and they're looking over there next to the foot of the mountain, they see this young guy, who? Who's that? Shepherds weren't really looked up to. They were looked down upon. 
He's just a servant. He's just out there with all the sheep picking out the gnats and the bugs from their coats. Who's this? Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Verse 12, so he sent and brought him in. Now, as, now he was a ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. This is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Isn't it interesting? The brothers, the whole family. What do you want to do with him? The Bible says the Lord loves to choose the base things of the world. He uses the insignificant things, the things that nobody wants, the refuse. He likes to use those things. Because when he does something great through them, they can't boast in anything. God gets the glory when he uses a man who is impaired. Someone with a speech impediment. You know, I, have you ever done this where you'll talk to somebody and they seem a little slow in their speech and you immediately think they're not very educated? And then you get to talking with them and you realize, oh my gosh, this person's pretty, pretty knowledgeable. And yet I'm still learning that lesson. And I, I would venture to say that we will still learn this lesson so many times. But let it, let it go from you. There's also judicial partiality. You don't have to go there. But in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17, let me read something to you. It says, For the Lord your God, this is Moses speaking to this next generation that's going to inherit the promised land. He says in verse 17 of Deuteronomy 10, he says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I love that. Don't take a bribe. How many judges today are taking bribes, showing partiality or, um, to criminals? My mother was, uh, for the last, uh, I don't know, 12 or 15 years of her career as a police officer, she was in the bailiff's division, and so she stood in, in the court system as a bailiff would. And there are things that happen that nobody knows about you know, where judges are given favors. And, and, and so it's a real temptation for anyone giving judgment like that to receive favors and to have pressure put on them to, to do this or that. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 18, it says this. Again, Moses speaking to this next generation about ready to go into the promised land. Verse 18, he says, You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You will not show partiality, nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I love that. So there is judicial partiality as well. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have you read. I mean, let me just summarize Galatians chapter 2. I'm looking at the clock and my time is fading. <laughs> but Galatians chapter 2 records for us a time when Peter was in the presence of Gentiles. 
and he was ministering to them, and then, and he was eating the food that they were eating, knowing that God wasn't a, a respecter of persons. And yet there came Jewish believers from James, the author of this epistle, from Jerusalem. And as soon as they came, Peter started to back away from eating the things that the Gentiles were eating, and all of a sudden saw the Jews come in, and he started to vacillate on the truth of the gospel, the grace of God. And Paul the Apostle got ready in his face publicly and says, you know, what are you doing? Peter was showing partiality to the Jews and allowing himself to be caught up in this, in this mess. And, so, and it can happen to us as well. But you can read that chapter. It's pretty interesting, Galatians chapter 2. In January 12, 2007, at the L'Enfant Plaza station of the subway line in Washington, D.C., on January 12, 2007, in front of about 1,000 people who were commuting through that station that day, it says a man sat at a metro station in Washington, D.C., and he started to play the violin. It was a cold January morning. He played six Bach pieces for about 45 minutes. During that time, since it was rush hour, it was calculated that thousands of people went through the station, most of them on their way to work. Three minutes went by, and a middle-aged man noticed that there was a musician playing. And so he slowed his pace, and he stopped for a few seconds, and then he hurried up to meet his schedule. A minute later, the violinist received his first dollar tip. A woman threw the money in the till and, without stopping, continued to walk. A few minutes later, someone leaned against the wall to listen to him, but the man looked at his watch and started to walk again. Clearly, he was late for work. So the one who paid the most attention was a three-year-old boy, and his mother tagged him along, hurried, but the kid stopped to look at the violinist. Finally, the mother pushed hard, and the child continued to walk, turning his head all the time. And this action was repeated by several other children, And all the parents, without exception, forced them to move on. In the 45 minutes the musician played, only six people stopped and stayed for a while. About 20 gave him money but continued to walk their normal pace. He collected $32. And when he finished playing and and silence took over, no one noticed it. No one applauded, nor was there any recognition. No one knew this but the violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the best musicians in the world. He played one of the most intricate pieces ever written with a violin worth $3.5 million. It was a Stradivarius violin. Two days before his playing in the subway, Joshua Bell sold out at a theater in Boston, and the seats averaged $100 apiece. And so you can see through the context of Joshua Bell, when you see a street performer, and this was an interesting thing to, to see, you immediately think of a street performer as untrained, untrained nobody, and he gets $32. But you put that man in a suit, and you stick him up on a platform in Boston in front of a couple thousand people, and he's receiving accolades. Isn't it amazing how environment and our understanding of, of things, how that can color our bias, and we become very partial in 1 Corinthians, you know, Paul writing to the Corinthians in, in chapter 13, he said in the chapter, or verse 13 of that 13th chapter, he says, And now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 
is love. And you know what? There was a time in my life, um, I want to share something with you. And this is uh, not something I uh, am excited about. Um, but I'll share it with you nonetheless because I think it really, it really shows what we're talking about this morning. I want to place something with you. Yesterday I was mowing the grass and uh, I'd already studied and thought about this morning's message and I was listening to Pastor Jeff teaching this very same passage just to see, you know, did I, did I miss anything? Is there anything in here that I should have, you know, looked at? And, and I'm going to play it for you, just a snippet. And so here it is. I'm just going to pull up the speaker here. Uh, I won't mention names. <laughs> it was the cutest thing I'd seen in the church in a long time. But this fellow walks in the door, and uh, I knew who he was. Hardly anyone else in the room knew who he was except for one other person. And this individual was literally a worldwide known rock star. And he walks in the door. And his other brother came over to me and he said, is that? And I said, yeah. Just leave him alone, you know. <laughs> and he just couldn't stand it. He's standing there looking at this fella coming in the door. He's vibrating. <laughs> and he, you know what he did? He ran right over to him and asked for his autograph in church. I was like, oh, man, this guy will never come back. The guy was gracious, gave him it. And after the service was over, the brother that had asked him for the autograph came up and said, you know what, I am a jerk. I was gracious and agreed with him. And uh, that's true. <laughs> but I understood where he was coming from. Right? We, we, we understand that. There, we're in the natural. We're impressed with certain things and we're impressed with certain individuals and we can kind of elevate them. And that. So, that happened. And that, this actually, this recording was back in July 20th of 2014. And this event that he's referring to was in 1995. 1995, Good Friday. And I know that because I was there that day when this when this when I heard about this 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 awful man who had come up and uh, embarrassed himself in front of this world-renowned rock star. And so, what I'd like to do this morning—he's actually here today—and I'd like to ask him to come up right now. So, um, if we could have Pastor Rob Kellogg come and uh, stand here at the pulpit. Well, let me tell you the real story. And I, it is, it's pertinent to the text we're talking about today, because this is real life, and I've got to be honest with you, this is one of those moments in my life I'd love to erase from my history. But I, we, Kathy and I came that, that night, it was Good Friday, 1995, it was the very first time I set foot in Calvary Chapel of Rochester. I never left after this. That was our first time. And we came, even when we were just friends, we weren't even married yet. I don't, I don't even know if she really liked me at that time. We were friends. We were acquaintances. And she brought me here. And so that very night, we come in and we sit. Pastor Jeff's over here. This is before the stage was here. He had a piano over here. And there was a, uh, a man sitting on a bar stool. 
with a microphone, and it was around communion time. And he started to sing, Come Just As You Are. And I listened to that voice, and I'm like, I whispered in Kathy's ear, I'm like, I know who that is. That's so-and-so. And she's like, no, he's, that's not. So I'm like, no, there's no other voice on the planet like that. I grew up with his music when I before I knew that before I knew Christ. I had all of their albums. It's a world-renowned rock group. You would everybody would know it. And I grew up with all of his albums. I knew the lyrics to every song. Even when I was in high school, he came to Fort Myers. This group did, and our high school choir was almost chosen to do one of the songs that they made famous to to be a backup. But I'm, I sit there, and I'm, I'm like going crazy. I'm like, I can't believe it. Is this person saved? And I was so excited. So after communion, I go up to him, and I say, hey, could I? And I was a new Christian, okay? I was only maybe a few months old. And I go up to him, and I say, hey, can I have your autograph? I had, I had, the, I had, the, I had the church program. <laughs> I had one of these. Can you sign your name here, man? And just wait. Let me tell you what they're right, Rob. You know. And you know what he did. And and you don't need to know who you probably know who he is, but pray for him because you know what, I felt so bad after that. Because he he was very gracious. He 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 put his arm around me that day, and when I asked him for the autograph, and I and I didn't get the autograph. Actually. And. He put his arm around me and said, he says, I, I, you, think, you know why we're here, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not a clue. Yeah, I know why we're here. I know why we're here. And I felt like about that tall. And after that, I got to know him, and we had, everything was fine after that, and I apologized to him. Everything was fine. But I, I just realized how it caught me off guard. And I was so partial to him. And I was so excited. It would be very natural for, for that kind of thing to happen. But you see, my, my point in this is that we can, we can do that to celebrities. We can do that. And they're just people. They're just people. And so we need to be very careful in these things. And I made a total fool of myself. And it didn't do him any favors either. I don't think that that helped him in his walk to have people do that. And so the next time you see a famous person, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be a... Uh, a famous preacher, don't fawn over them. Don't treat them like God. Don't treat them with some kind of, you know, you know how we can get. Remember, they are just a human being. They're just a human being. And God sees us all the same. So don't allow your heart to be taken up with partiality, with bias. And any of these things, these examples I share with you this morning, be careful of these things. Because God is not partial. He loves every single human being that has ever been born, that ever will be born. His love for them is great. So let's go on. He said, Listen, my beloved brethren, verse 5, here we're back in James. Has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? You know, God's estimation of things are very different from our own. You know, we tend to, again, we tend to look at the outward appearance. But notice, Jesus said to those who are poor of this world, and, and not only maybe poor physically, you know, financially, but poor spiritually, 
You know, they don't look upon themselves as being any great thing. What did he say in Matthew 5, chapter 3? He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until the same time on Monday, this has been Truth in Christ.